grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Sunday of End Times is found recorded in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Look, the day is coming, burning like a blast furnace. All the arrogant and evildoer will be stubble. The day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord of armies. A day that will not leave behind a root or branch for them. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise, and there will be healing in its wings. This is our first lesson. Our second lesson is found recorded in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, beginning at the 24th verse. For Christ did not enter a handmade sanctuary, a representation of the true sanctuary. Instead, he entered into heaven itself, now to appear before God on our behalf. And he did not enter to offer himself many times, as the high priest enters the most holy place year after year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, he would have no need, he would have needed to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once and for all at the climax of the ages in order to take away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for people to die only once, and after this comes the judgment, so also Christ has offered only once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time without sin to bring salvation to those who are eagerly waiting for him. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of John, chapter 5, beginning of the 19th verse. Jesus answered them directly, Amen, amen, I tell you. The Son can do nothing on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. Indeed, the Son does exactly what the Father does. For the Father loves the Son and shows everything he is doing. And he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives life, and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to those he wishes. In fact, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, so that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Amen, amen, I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He is not going to come into judgment, but has crossed over from death to life. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the Old Testament the last book of the Bible, from Malachi chapter 4, and we read the first two verses. Look, the day is coming, burning like a blast furnace. 
All the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord of armies. A day that will not leave behind a root or branch for them. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise, and there will be healing in its wing. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I believe you've heard me ask this question before, but because of this text, I would like to offer it again. Do you find yourself believing in global warming? Now, when I was a young lad in grade school, we didn't hear of anything of global warming. Oh, there was tons of talk of climate change, but it was always in the area that there was a coming ice age. In fact, that was taught in science class, and many movies coming out were all around how people were going to survive the ice age. But now it's all about global warming, all this climate change talk. And I'm going to be very blunt and say, I personally really do believe in global warming. But I don't believe in global warming based on what's being taught under the umbrella of science or, and definitely under the talk of politics. That's not what I want to focus on. It's not my place to use the pulpit to take sides on that question, but to speak about a global warming that is going to be like no other. The global warming that is going to take place on the last day of the world because the Lord is going to come with his holy angels and destroy the earth. The first time it was destroyed was by water. This last time it will be by fire. And all the living and the dead the dead being made alive will be taken up before the Lord for that last day will be a day of judgment. This is not just some New Testament teaching. Judgment day and the last day of the world was taught, was taught also in the Old Testament. So don't begin to think that, well, we just don't go to the Old Testament at all because the New Testament is where it's at. No, we consider the entire scriptures because the entire scripture is God's word. Malachi did speak of a last day and, and a judgment day, and he did so at a time that the Israelites had just come back from captivity. Malachi is actually a contemporary of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah had brought a small group back to work on rebuilding the temple and also to work on rebuilding the walls. You see, in 586 BC, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonians, attacked Jerusalem and ended the southern kingdom's reign. It will not be an independent country again. It will always, from this day on, always be ruled by another country. When he came in, he destroyed the temple and the walls and took many of the people in fact, probably the majority of them, into captivity. God had promised through like Jeremiah and Isaiah as well that he promised that there would only be a 70-year captivity. And at the end of the 70 years, only a small remnant actually came back under the Lord's command. And of course, the first thing they had to do was rebuild the walls 
and the temple. It would take over 20 years. And there were all kinds of reasons why it didn't get done sooner. But once it was done, you would think that this would be a time of great, of great celebration, of praising God. He brought us back. God who has kept his promise. And giving him the credit and the glory with everything they do. But that was not the case. And that's why the prophet Malachi was actually sent in. The people were very discouraged by God. And instead of praising him, they were grumbling and complaining against God. In fact, the entire book of Malachi is where God is one by one <coughs> bringing up all of their complaints and discussing them from God's point of view. And one of the last things that he will emphasize is this point here. The day is coming. They have to remember that. They have to understand that. That, they're, that everything that is going is not happening because God wants a heaven here on earth. Everything that is happening is pointing to a, to a greater heaven. And that is being with the Lord forever in heaven. So the day is coming. That day of judgment where he will raise everyone and separate the believers for the unbelievers. That is coming. And they need to understand it. We need to understand this. That what is going on now can never last forever. We don't have a mansion here. We're not trying to create a perfect utopia here. Our life is in heaven. We are simple, simply aliens living only a short time. Our home sweet home is heaven itself. And the day is coming. And notice how he describes both believers and unbelievers. We start with the unbelievers. He first of all calls them the arrogant. These are the ones who think of themselves, focused on themselves. This is humanism. They think that they are the God. They don't serve the one true God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They serve me, myself, and I. And the opposite of arrogance is humility. And that they do not have. And along with this arrogance, they are evildoers. Because where there is ungodliness, there is also wickedness, especially directed to one's fellow man. When you live for yourself, you demand everyone better satisfy you and yourself. And so the words are going to definitely come true when Jesus speaks of what's going to happen in the world as the love of most will grow cold in the way people treat each other. These last days will be the dark days for the coming of the last day of the Lord God Almighty. And not only are they evildoers towards one another, another they're also evildoers towards the Lord God. And they especially so show that evil in the way that they mock him and scoff at him. One of the biggest mockeries of God is still going on to this very day. If God's really coming at the last day, how come he hasn't come yet? See, since he hasn't come yet, he's not really coming. 
You're fools for believing these words. Oh, yes, they mistake the patience of God as weakness and as apathy and as pitiful. These are the unbelievers. And how does the Lord see them? He sees them stubble. The word in the original language can also be translated chaff. And the chaff was that, like that little membrane that was around the grain head. They would bring the grain and the stalks to the threshing floor and actually not just separate the grain from the stalk, but also the, that chaff, that membrane from the seed itself. And the good seed was taken into the barn. The stubble is actually what's left after you cut the stalk in order to take it to the threshing floor. And the two things that stubble and chaff have in common, which makes it clear why there's one word for these two different words, is that they're both worthless. There's no value to them. And the second thing, they are burnt, destroyed, because they have no value. Isn't it interesting that he says, the day that is coming will set them on fire. For the Lord God will send the unbelievers to the fireplace itself. For the word fire is oftentimes used to describe hell as a place of tremendous torment and pain. But here is the horrifying truth that in hell it's final. The writer writes, a day that will not leave behind a root or a branch for them. A root and a branch is needed to keep the tree alive. Without it, it dies. And so he describes as in hell there is no life. And not because you're going to be sent to oblivion and nothingness. No. No, in hell people live. But they live being separated from God. That's really the worst part of it. And to hear from God the most horrid words, I do not know you, away from me, you evildoer. That's what awaits all those who reject the Lord God Almighty in unbelief. My friends, these words here are being spoken to the Israelites during the time of Malachi. Because many believed, as many believe today, that it always looks like the unbelievers get away with it. It always looks like God doesn't really come down and, and really destroy them or open up the earth and suck them in. It always seems like they're always happy because they get so much and they have so much. Many a Christian soul has fallen away from the Lord because it is intriguing to be an unbeliever and to live it up and to have it all and, and to think that, yeah, God owes me. And in fact, I'm God. My dear friends, do not be jealous of the unbeliever. Don't think that they have happiness because there is truly no such thing as happiness without the Lord God. The very Lord God who made you and saved you Oh, they may seem happy with all the wealth and, and with everything they have, but without eternity.
eternal life without heaven itself? They have nothing. Don't be jealous of the unbeliever. Stand firm in the faith. The very faith that the Holy Spirit is, has worked in your hearts. And the very Lord who is strengthening your hearts and your faith in his holy word. Do not ever become jealous of the unbelieving world in which we live. Notice how he describes the believers. He describes them as those who fear my name. When I think of the word fear, immediately I think of the two main teachings of the Bible, both law and gospel. This is these are the, the teachings that are the heart of the Holy Word. And when I think of fear under the law, that means that the law has showed me my sins. That fear comes because it brings me to my knees. And as a sinful human being, I cannot stand before a holy God and live. I cry, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. But also that fear is seen under the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that our Savior, who lived that perfect life, suffered it on the cross to pay for my sins and pay for them in full. And he paid for even the sins of the entire world. And this very fear then is fear that comes with the heart that says, I'm afraid of hurting God because I do not want to hurt him because he's my all in all. And without him, I am lost. But because of him, I am found and saved. This is the ones who fear the Lord. They fear him because of the believing heart, that gift of God. They fear his name, and, and he describes himself as the son of righteousness, a beautiful name that describes who he is and what he has done. Who he is is the son, S-U-N, the very son of God, S-U-N, is the light of the world. He pierces through the darkness of sin and the fear of death. And what does he bring? He brings righteousness. He brings that which is right with God. And in fact, his very own righteousness is ours and credited to us through faith in him. This is the healing in its wings. For what righteousness brings us is the greatest healing we could ever have. It's the forgiveness of sins. And where there is forgiveness, there is the hope of everlasting life in heaven. What I find fascinating about these words is the fact that this son of righteousness will rise is going to be the concluding words of the last prophet of the Old Testament. And for the next 400 years, God will not speak through a prophet. The first time that God actually speaks, it will not be to a prophet, but to a priest. He'll send the guardian angel to a man named Zechariah who was in the temple praying because his turn came up, praying on behalf of the people. And the angel Gabriel announces that he and his wife will have a child even though she was barren and well along in years. And 
John the Baptist will be that son. It will be Zechariah who will be struck with silence because he doubted and questioned what the angel was saying to him. And on the day that his son is born, they will have a debate among the relatives on what they should name him. Elizabeth, his wife, says, we're going to name him John. But there was no one in the relation that was named to John. Why would you name him that? And when they turned to his father, he wrote on the tablet, his name is John, and his voice came back. And when his voice came back, he started to praise the Lord God. And one thing he said in the song of Zechariah was he praised God for being the rising sun. I wouldn't doubt he was thinking of these words from Malachi, because that's who our Savior is. And all glory and praise to him. As we actually look forward to Judgment Day. The last day of the world. And we do so. Always keeping in mind. That as we live in these closing days. We do so. Being in his holy word. And sharing that holy word that we've been entrusted with. Pointing to the message of Jesus Christ our Savior. And even though we're going to face each and every day our battles, we do so knowing that the victory is won. And the, and the fulfillment of that victory, the, the final piece of that victory will be the last day when Jesus comes with the holy angels and take us and all believers to the glories of heaven. Until that day, we pray, the day is coming. Yes, the day is coming. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.